first time lord. I'm Daniel Levine, and until I started this podcast, I had never seen a single Doctor Who episode. And of course, I wish I had a TARDIS to travel back in time and punch some sense into me, because why have I been missing this for so long? So now I sit down every week, watch an episode, and get a friend or a big Doctor Who expert to join me and explain to me the ins and outs of this amazing story. And today, we're talking about love and monsters. And I needed somebody that, well, I haven't talked to since series one. So join me in welcoming Jenny Faye Berry. Hi, how's it going? We're on a Capaldi now, right? Um, I have no idea what that means. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. This is the 10th doctor. And it's amazing. Love and Monsters is fun. Love and Monsters. So, dear listener, as always, if uh, this is your first time listening to the show, we're going to talk about the episode. So, if you have not seen it or have not seen it, in a while and want to refresh yourself before we talk about it, now is the time. Uh, Otherwise, you will get spoiled because inevitably we are going to talk about plot points that are going to uh, ruin this episode for you. So now is the time to pause the podcast and watch the episode. And so welcome back if you did that and let's dive right in. So... uh, Clearly, this episode is not very much of a, uh, a furthering of the storyline, the, the main story plot that seems to be brewing for the series. Uh, but there is so much Doctor without there being Doctor in this episode that I just can't. I can't. Like, this, I... Uh, um, it's almost one of my favorite episodes so far the series. Well, and this is your very first introduction to a Dr. Light episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is the first time where they're, you know, the Doctor really wasn't uh, a, a pivotal character in it. And and the entire reason that they did that is it actually gets them an extra episode a season. Oh. So they're filming two episodes at the same time. Um, so by having him only in a few scenes... Uh, they're able to do two episodes filmed at the same time, which allows for a 14th episode in the season. So they do a Christmas special this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can produce 13 episodes uh, normally. Now they can produce 14 and it becomes a tradition for a while. So that they get an extra episode a year. So you'll be seeing some more of these um, Dr. Light episodes, like they like to call them where he's, just in it briefly, um, and they let the other cast tell the story. It's just kind of neat. It's it's a little research episode. It's a little like homage to the past. Um, I call this the Moni Myrtle episode because you can't get past it. <laughs> yes, that that voice. Uh, just every time she speaks, she's fantastic. I felt like I needed yeah. to go to the bathroom. Yeah, she's she's fantastic as Ursula. I, I just love her. I think she's <laughs> she's a great actress. Um, but it gives you some more of that history. It kind of reminds you back in uh, season one or series one when Rose was learning about the Doctor, and mm-hmm. uh, you had those passionate um, folks that were 
learning about the doctor and doing research about the doctor and, and to have this little click of folks that were um, researching the doctor and just trying to learn more about them. Um, that was really, really interesting uh, to see this little, you know, Scooby gang, if you will, kind of learning about the doctor. Well, and what I loved about it, uh, the, uh, what was it? The Linda gang gang, <laughs> the, the, I love the idea that they just they started as a group that wanted to discuss their you know what they felt was their discovery of oh my gosh there's this guy and he travels in this box and oh this is amazing and then it just became a little family a little group of misfits that all sort of understood each other I mean essentially that's kind of what all nerds are right it, it yeah it, it was in an ess- in not in an essence i'm sure um uh what's his name the creator of the show or the that's not the, uh yes yeah. uh, i'm sure that's exactly what davies intended was sort of a, a way to create an episode that really pays homage to the doctor who fans that get together because of their love of the doctor or their cre- curiosity for the doctor and then end up becoming friends and end up, you know, the, it, at first it was the food that they shared and then they, they become a band and they sort of enjoy each other's company so much that they make it a point to get together every week and share this, what becomes clearly a very joyful sort of situation. Yeah, Linda, the uh, the London Investigation in Detective Agency, which is hysterical, like fish and chips, um, <laughs> they, they start just exploring the doctor and do so much more no different than hey guys let's go catch you know the new star wars film and then they start going to dinner afterwards and they start going mm-hmm. hey we don't have to just meet up to go see the new star wars film we're gonna go hang out at this new video game bar we're gonna go hang out and do dinner at this place and then all of a sudden you just become a group of you know friends that share common knowledge and common bonds um which is just there's such a cute little group of people that you normally wouldn't think hang together and uh they're they're great they're a great little little group of friends the i i found that uh very uh again there are portions there are episodes in this series uh and as a whole so far that i've seen from the doctor who uh, that are very comforting and this this felt like a very comforting episode uh because it it has it has the menace and the danger that almost every single episode of Doctor Who seems to share, but th- there was just that loveliness of seeing these people from different walks of life just share in something that they felt passionate about and watching that passion for the thing turn into just a passion for each other and, and an excitement to just share in each other's company that you know i we we kind of miss in this world uh you know with with the uh, without the ability to physically be in a room together uh you know it, it at least it made me very nostalgic for those days where we could sit across a table and have this conversation face to face absolutely yeah it's, it's like oh well, i remember when we used to do that and hopefully we will soon get to do that again uh i i did want to briefly touch on the uh very 
British, very Benny Hill moment (laughs) (laughs) at the beginning of this episode when uh, Elton finds uh, the the TARDIS and he stumbles onto this, uh, you know, seemingly a lot of the doctor's adventures happen around industrial buildings uh but this episode is no different he he stumbles onto this industrial building and then to see the doctor rose and whatever this creature is just running from door to door past each other like very scooby-doo very benny hill it was hilarious and i love that uh the doctor's like no i said not the blue one because Rose comes out with a blue bucket and he's like, now he's more angry. And I was like, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. You made it worse. <laughs> so funny. It was just, you know, the, the levity that comes on from that uh, to an episode, you know, that has some, uh, some serious tones. Um, but I also wanted to touch on this because, you know, the details, uh, I'm all about the details. And uh, as Elton is introducing himself, he says, you know, I'm named Elton, not that Elton. And then they cut to a short little bit of Elton John at a piano. Yeah. Of course, the song that Elton John, real Elton John, happens to be singing at the time is titled Daniel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So once again... It's like the universe knew that eventually I was going to get into the show. And so it peppered all of these things that I like the universe knows Daniel likes all these things. So we're going to pepper them in here. And by now, you know, I've, I've watched the series. I've been introduced. So I'm starting to feel a little more comfortable in the Doctor Who universe. And just to remind me, hey, we know you still are out there. Boom, that pops up, and immediately I'm like, you, Russell Davies, I don't know if, like, he knew, he knew that at some point, a dude named Daniel Levane was going to fall in love with his show, and he wanted me to make sure that I found the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Well, and you said that you love all the little details. You said, as often, Doctor Who is filmed in warehouses and stuff. This wasn't supposed to be filmed in a warehouse. The intro, it was supposed to be mm-hmm. shot at a dockside. Um, but due to a large shipment of steel cables, they had to change the location. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they're like, eh, warehouse, that'll do. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, a, a of those. it's a menacing looking enough place that something bad could be happening, but it, it's also, you know, visually interesting enough that you could do gags like what they did, yeah. you know? Or, you know, it, it always looks cool when you see characters running past, like, boilers and, yes. you know, big, large pipes and rusted equipment. So, I, I get it, you know. Though, if there was that dock site available. <laughs> right. When I had the Scooby, the Scooby shot, but it was, it was funny. It was, it, and it also makes you wonder if that's really what happened or Elton, if he just likes to tell a story. Sure. And if he just likes to over-exaggerate things, because he is a great storyteller. Uh, absolutely. And, and speaking of, so so we're going to get right into the story of Elton, uh, because there is a little bit of information that uh, I gathered. So the, the assimilator, no, what was the name that they ultimately landed on? For, um, for the bad guy? Or for yeah. Okay, so his name officially 
is um, okay. I gotta, I gotta, I wrote this out so I could say it. The adsorbaloft. <laughs> Absorbaloft. The Absorbaloft, right. Because bo- both Elton and the doctor kind of land on that same name. He's like, yeah, I like that, yeah. He, right, he, right. And the, and the creature's like, yes, that, that, please, more of that. Who does, um, who does he remind you of, Daniel? Come on. Who does he remind me of? That's the villain. I mean, with the cane and everything, uh, a little bit of uh, welcome to Jurassic Park. No, when when he's creepy. Oh, when he's creepy? Use the Schwartz. Really? That, that you think he looks like Yoda? He looks like pizza, pizza the Hut. The Pizza the Hut? Yeah. No, it, I mean I, I could see that. There there was a different um it, yeah. and I and I can't quite put it. When I saw him finally in his alien form, there was a sort of men in black aspect of it. Okay. It very much like to me, like it felt like a men in black kind of character. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that because there's a very funny gag that is very juvenile. And I can't wait for my son to watch this episode because I'm sure he's going to laugh his head off at that moment. But we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, so I, I, I like that, you know, again, sort of uh, in, in a world where none of this existed yet, Russell Davies basically writes an episode where a guy is blogging yeah. in like 2006. <laughs> you know, he's like doing a video blog uh, telling his story. Um, but we get, you know, we get to see uh, and... The, the last time uh, the, you mentioned it, uh, when Rose got to talk to the guy in the very first episode for series one that had been studying the doctor, mm-hmm. he he alluded to the fact that, you know, the he didn't always look this way, but, you know, he had nothing but photos of uh, Eccleson at right. the time. Right. Um, and then this group again, talks about how he appears everywhere, um, and, but they only have images of um, Tennant. Yes. But he has a moment uh, where he arcs back to the plastics. Yes. So he has been around the doctor Mm-hmm. Uh, and and sort of in the middle of some of the doctor antics that included uh, the the previous reincarnation, no uh, regeneration. He just didn't know, right? He, to him, he wouldn't have any idea that he would change his face because he doesn't have the same knowledge that we have, right? Mm-hmm. He's not following that storyline. He's got his own. Uh, but I, I, you know, it, it was it was great to see things from his point of view. You know, the the attack of the plastics, the uh, Slovene ship mm-hmm. uh, knocking out uh, the the Tower of London, yeah, or not the Tower of London, the the, the Big Ben. Uh, you know, they essentially was, showed a different version um, from his perspective of Rose, Aliens of London, and the Christmas Invasion. Right. All from Elton's perspective, which was so cool. It, it very, you know, it, it, very neat in a way that it expands the universe 
so that you get to see uh, the the effect that the doctor has been having in this world through the eyes of somebody that is sort of insularly come into contact with the doctor, mm-hmm. which I found fascinating. Well, and we find out later why this uh, generation of the doctor is so important to him. Right, right. Uh, and and I'll, I'll have a few questions because I, I, that part got a little, I feel like it got a little over my head. Um, but um, so they, they form this group. They seem very happy. And then this weird albino looking guy comes in and uh-huh. uh and i thought is he from torchwood mm-hmm. and then you know he he mentions he got all of these files from the torchwood archive but he never identifies himself uh and we never really go back and and find out more so it, was he did he infiltrate the torchwood organization and get this information did he just buy the information from somebody that worked for the torchwood organization how how did he come into possession of all of this data uh, about the doctor i mean that's never really explained um much like a bad guy they have their mm-hmm. sources so, <laughs> right so whether he has somebody on the inside um i i prefer to think it's not so much that i prefer to think it's more um computers are around there's ways to get into things and that's what he did because mm. for for a secret organization at this point it seems like almost everybody knows what the hell torchwood is yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know because it gets brought up a lot and uh you know in in uh the episodes uh, from last week and the week before uh clearly we're in the future in the uh, in the station uh you know outside the the black hole planet but you know everybody's like oh yeah we got to report that to torchwood like it seems that everybody except at least you know you probably know more because you've been watching the show but like Everybody knows more than I do about Torchwood. Everybody. If you're involved with the doctor, you're going to know about Torchwood. Yeah, well. knows about Torchwood because he and K-9 are close. Um, (laughs) But if you're involved with the doctor, if you're involved with the government on a high level, you're going to know about Torchwood. Or if you're a bad guy who wants to do bad things to the doctor, you're going to know about Torchwood. Because they're trying to infiltrate the doctor. So who better to try to find resources than, well, the government doesn't know a lot about them, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Torchwood seems to know a lot about lots of stuff, but a lot of people can't get into it. Well, what, what can you find out from them then? Well, the, the government did know about, the doctor because we saw that yes. in uh, in the they, Slovene episodes they know about him, uh, and unit uh you know unit mm-hmm. knows about him and has worked with him mm-hmm. uh or at least that's been the insinuations in the Absolutely. in the show but how much do they actually know about him oh, i mean how do how do how much do we really know about him even 
I mean, you you have a few more adventures in your back pocket, but there's a lot about this character that we seem to find out. There's a lot of depth to him so much. that we seem to find out. And it keeps going. Uh, I love it. All right. So, um, so yes, the, there is the Torchwood uh, reference. It's not very hidden. It's not very uh, uh, overt. Um, sure. Um, but um there 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 is um and i mentioned this the elton has a connection to the doctor greater than just the the adventures or misadventures that uh, are mentioned uh with the linda group uh and that he saw him in his uh in his room uh or in his house and as we find out at the end uh you know from memories that he has sort of blocked out and the doctor uh, because probably to the doctor, the situation had happened uh, only minutes or days before this interaction. But the doctor had been fighting some sort of shadow creature. They they call it a living shadow mm-hmm. uh, that had escaped from the Howling Halls. And that's about the only information that we get about it at this point. Mm. Uh, there is speculation as to what it is later and whether or not that truly is what it is or not. Um, mm, okay. Um, but it had, uh, the doctor had followed it to Elton's house, um, but he had not been able to save Elton's mom um, from it. And it had killed Elton's mom. And uh, which, yeah, it's sad. So sad. But that is how Elton first saw the doctor because the doctor was chasing this creature. Well, and it, it and it leads us to that that moment where he's talking about how the doctor inadvertently, as he touches people, he ends up causing uh, some sort of you know the, the he insinuates that there's a price to pay. Mm-hmm. for coming into contact with the doctor that nobody escapes the doctor completely unscathed. Um, and he even says, uh, I'm waiting to find out what happens to Jackie and Rose and how yeah. they, uh, and we can argue, you know, cause we do get to see a lot more of Jackie than we have in a while in this she episode. Was, she was so good in this episode, just so much depth to her character in this episode. There was a moment where it almost made me cry when, yes, she's, you know, doing her usual Jackie flirty thing with the, with the Elton, (laughs) but she talks about how I used to have a mate that would be able to help me with all of this, but Mickey's not around anymore. Yeah. And it just brought a lump to my throat because, you know, we knew that Mickey was Rose's boyfriend, but, you know, we also, once Rose started traveling with the doctor, we saw that Mickey and uh, Jackie were basically the, the ones that would pine for Rose and would worry for Rose. And then we, in, in this episode, you hear her, you know, she's like, as much as I feel left alone, I'm going to fight for her and I'm going to defend her and I'm going to defend him for as long as I can. Which was just such a lovely sentiment because, you know, she she's not always had that great relationship with the doctor. Um, so to hear it from her in such an earnest way, I, I 
felt like she genuinely meant every word she said and that there was a real sort of promise that she will do whatever it takes to help Rose and the doctor in whatever, you know, future endeavors or past endeavors uh, they end up stuck with. Jackie has grown a lot. Um, The first time you see Jackie, you're kind of like, what is this woman? What is going on? Um, But she has grown and, you know, her flirting with, with Elton is cute. It's, it's Jackie. Um, So creepy at points because he's much younger than her. Um, but you're like, okay, she's a cougar. It it is. It is. She's, she's totally a cougar. Um, it's Jackie and in some of her Jackiest moments. Um, but then she gets that call from Rose and you just, you see that switch Mm -hmm. and your heart just goes, Oh, Jackie. And you start to really feel for her as a mother, as somebody who, has seen some of the things that Rose has seen. And she in her own right is like a pseudo companion at this point, because she has been on some of these adventures and has seen some of the things the doctor's seen. So she's playing that role of the, the companions kind of help us see the story uh, Uh and humanize the story. And Jackie is kind of doing that for us in that moment. Um, Yeah, it was, that was one of the parts I have. I have Jackie with hearts. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> and and she shows us a little bit of the the that that toll that uh, Elton is talking about that the doctor sort of exacts on people. You see a little bit of that, and when she talks about Mickey, and you yeah. certainly see the the worry uh, in her uh, when she's talking to Rose on the phone. But you know, even in 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 that quick little fleeting mention of Mickey, you see that it, it bothers her that he's not around anymore. Well, what's, what's going to happen? You know, that's the thing is we don't know. We don't, well, I know, but you don't know. (laughs) I don't know yet. What's, what's going to happen with Rose? You know, what, what will ultimately be the journey that she takes with the doctor? And um, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's scary to not know that. Well, and, and speaking of Wolf, or I'm sorry, Rose, uh, (laughs) She, uh, when, when the, the, the creature, I, I forget his name again. Um, Kennedy. Yeah. When he mentions, uh, the companion and Rose specifically, he says that the files in the Torchwood, uh, archive were corrupted by a wolf virus. A bad wolf virus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a little remnants of that. I'm going to assume that when she had the the bad wolf powers, uh, and she layered, the, you know, she, she insinuates that she's the one that sort of peppered uh, that word across time and space to lead her back to the doctor. So I'm going to assume that at the same moment, she also found that data in the archives and corrupted it herself. Is that a fair enough assumption? It actually happened during World War III. Um, The doctor gave it to Mickey to use that virus to... But that specifically said to wipe any knowledge of him, of the doctor. Uh It didn't say Rose. No, but the bad wolf virus is what 
wiped information of the doctor, and that's what corrupted the Torchwood files. Oh, okay. Because the Torchwood files have information about the doctor. So that virus was called the bad wolf virus. Okay. I I had just assumed that with her infinite power, she was able to sort of wipe a lot of things from existence that she saw and detected uh, at the same time that she was seeing all time and uh, space. Yeah, no, that was uh, being sneaky and using bad wolf. That's interesting. So the bad wolf virus, mm-hmm. uh, which Mickey initiated, is what corrupted the files on on Rose on the Torchwood Agency. Mm-hmm. So anything to do with the doctor is is what that can do. So Rose is a, a extension of the doctor, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Interesting. All right. So the, the then I think I've asked all my questions because we talked about our shadow friends uh, and I, I figured that there was more to what I got. Uh, and it sounds like there's going to be a little bit more explanation. So is there anything that I missed? So I got some fun facts and um, let's do it. So um, uh, at the end, you have his limitation field. Did you catch that with uh, his his cane? Yes, yes. The it, it was basically what was keeping him from just being dissolved into or being absorbed into other things. Yeah. So it allowed him to. Um, it was like a barrier, so he could touch objects, but he could not touch people with that. Mm-hmm. That's why he was able to sit and stuff, but he couldn't touch people once he touched a person. He got, uh, the person got absorbed. So that's how that particular gadget worked. Cause there's lots of little gadgets, you know, your sound subscriber mm. and all that in uh, Dr. Who. Yeah. Uh, the actor who portrayed, uh, the monster who portrayed, um, Absorbeth Wolf or, uh, Mr. Kennedy was, uh, Peter K. He's a very famous uh, comic in the, in the UK. Mm-hmm. And he actually contacted Russell T. Davies after the show uh, began in 2005. He actually contacted them and basically just saying, kudos, really enjoy the show. Really like to be in it. Um, <laughs> and in September of 05, uh, Davies offered him a guest spot in an episode. And he actually first offered him the role of Elton. And uh, mm. Peter K. was like, yeah, no, that's too similar to a character that I play on this other show, Coronation Street. Um, so I would rather be the baddie. Can I be the bad guy? So hmm. end up being the baddie instead. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then that would have made Elton significantly older then. Yeah, it would have made it a very, very different. I loved the way that it came out. I think this was the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you said there was something that the, the monster did that your son was going to find funny. The, well, the, the the fact that, you know, one of the people that got absorbed was stuck to his butt. Yes. <laughs> you know, that that's the juvenile humor. And, you know, fart jokes are funny for boys of all ages. But a 12-year-old is going to find that even funnier than I do. So what makes that so interesting is um, the monster, Ed Zorbaloff, was designed by William Grantham, 
who is a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> so perfect. Um, he was designed via a contest from the TV show Blue Peter. It's a children's program in the UK. Um, and they did a lot of things with Doctor Who. Um, one of the most uh, unique and, and interesting things that I found is that Ace, who is uh, one of Sylvester McCoy's companions, um, she's a great companion. If, if you've not seen her stuff, you definitely mm-hmm. should because she's fun. Um, she won two badges or pins from the show. And she wore them as part of her costume uh, that was actually filmed uh, on, on Doctor Who. So when you actually see her um, running around wearing her jacket, she's wearing pins from the TV show Blue Peter that she won as a child. Hmm. It's kind of cool because she had all these little badges. So it was like a way for her to be like, hey, look at these cool badges I won as a kid. And then kids would see it and be like, hey, that's from Blue Peter. You know, so it's kind of cool. Um, but he got this as a contest. He won. He got his name in the credits. Hmm. He got to spend a day on the set with Peter Kay, the monster. And at first he was disappointed by the little model that they showed him because it was really small and he wanted mm. it to be the size of like a double decker bus. <laughs> <laughs> but then once he saw it on the screen, he was like, all right, it's okay. <laughs> but so that's how the monster came to be. And that's why it kind of has something that a 12 year old would like. That's, that's funny. Isn't that great? That's, and that makes sense. Cause <laughs> like I said, a 12 year old finds that much funnier than I do. Um, and he is from the planet Clom. 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 Yes, and I'll return there victorious. Which is the sister world of, I'm not even, it's Raxib. Not from Raxacoracophalopatorius, are you? No, I'm not the swine. I spit on them. I was born on the twin planet. Really? What's the twin planet of Raxacoracophalopatorius? Clom. <laughs> Which is, I thought was just quite fun that they brought that up. Because they do kind of have that body type. It's kinda, mm-hmm. Yeah, the similar yeah. skin coloring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I liked, there was a line that the one gentleman in the group, Mr. Skinner said. Me, the doctor, isn't a man. He's more a collection of archetypes. And I really like that, especially, uh, I think it's poignant with today's doctor. Because the doctor sure. apparently is not a man. And I love that. Um, but there was one thing that, uh, there is a very, very small, small little thing in here that you can see that is, um, it's about the political climate that's going on in England at the time. And if you blink, you miss it. Mm. Um, but it is the start of uh, just some conversation that will start to happen. And it is a newspaper headline that you see the monster reading when they first go up and see him, they're like, Oh, what's wrong with your hands? And you can read the newspaper headline. Mm. And that I was so distracted by his hands that I didn't bother to look through the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of hard to see, but it mentions a uh, uh, Mr. Saxon getting so many points for the election. Mm. So um, Mr. Saxon, is somebody who's running for something or other. Um, so that that is a first mention of that name. I'm going to assume it has something to do with the uh, prime minister, because that was a storyline that was begun with the doctor saying 
Does she look tired? Yeah. <laughs> Does she look tired? Bless her heart. Bless her heart. So yeah. I, he said it. I can destroy yeah. you with six yeah. words. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So be be aware of that. Just kind of something to keep in the back of your mind. Mm, okay. Yeah. I didn't. I, I normally I try to be a little more uh, perceptive than that, but I was so uh, captivated by clearly what was alien hands holding the, that I was looking at the nails and the, mm-hmm. and the fingers and not at the, uh, oh, yeah, the print tried, on the newspaper. I didn't distract you. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, just something to be aware of, but I know that you like those little hidden gems. So I, that's what I live for. Mm-hmm. But in all, it's, it's a fun episode. It's not my favorite Dr. Light. Um, but it's, it's, it's the Moaning Myrtle episode, so you got to love it for that. Well, I, I love the fact that, one, her character does get to live, but even though she lives in a weird tile, tile way, which um, the, there's a line that uh, is uh, very humorous, especially for those of us that are of a more adult nature uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, when they talk about their sex life, uh, which, you know, you're like, oh, okay, okay, we're going to go there. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, once again, she's the, the literal physical manifestation of uh, that cost that goes along with uh, coming into proximity to the doctor. Um and I think, you know, he says at best, uh, and I think that will be a great way to sort of finish the episode. And then, you know, Elton says, You know, when you're a kid, they tell you it's all grow up, get a job, get married, get a house, have a kid, and that's it. Oh. But the truth is, the world is so much stranger than that, it's so much darker. And so much matter. And so much better. It was one of those quotes that I heard again. And I was like, oh, that's right. This one's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. it a lot of this, uh, and I, I have no frame of reference, so I can't really, I can't speak to it other than it feels like, a lot of what it's talking about and a lot of the points that the show is trying to make are still very valid today. Uh, I don't know how I would have felt about it or if I had even, if I would have even picked up on some of the, the themes that seem to resonate so much with me today. Uh, and that's both, you know, a, an indictment on my age, uh, and also an indictment on the, the type of world that we currently live in. But, you know, the, the idea that, yeah, life is difficult and you got to take the good with the bad. And at the end of the day, you know, it, it's better that we live in a weir- weird world than in a non-weird world. As someone who watched it for the first time eight years ago and then rewatching it now, I definitely watch it differently now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have an appreciation for it. Like, I, I loved it eight years ago. Um, it helped me find a, an outlet for my sadness over my mother's passing um, and, uh, and to move past my divorce and a lot of things that were going on in my life then. But now it's, 
it's hope in a different way um, mm-hmm. because we have different struggles and we've climbed different mountains. And like you said, with age, you, you see things differently. Um, so yeah, I think every time you watch Doctor Who, you see something different in it. And I think that's what makes the show live on. It's it's definitely a very a deep well of uh, some very interesting uh, topics, and I can't wait to keep diving into it. So thank you so much for joining me this week to talk to me uh, about one of really this is this is one of my favorites so far of the series. It's always a pleasure. Always happy to be here, and I'm I'm so glad you've you've joined our family, and you have your own Linda. and i can't wait to gather it all in in the same room eventually when we're all vaccinated and the world has gone to somewhat back to a normal uh i would love to do a live one of these with all of my guest hosts (laughs) oh yeah we could totally do that cool Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, dear listener, for making it yet to the end of another one of these exciting episodes. Uh, I really do appreciate your support. Uh, So if you if you like the show and you've got friends that you think would like the show, uh, take a moment to share the link. Uh, You can find all of our past episodes at uh, firsttimelord.com. And you can go back and comment on any of the episodes uh, and certainly share any of the episodes that you like with somebody that you think would appreciate it. Uh, all of that support would be hugely favorable. Uh, I can also be found on Patreon, so you can wander on to there. Uh, I am uh, there under Daniel Levain, or of course, you can find a link at firsttimelord.com. Uh, and like I always say, all of your support is always greatly appreciated. So there's no time left. I got to go watch some more Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs>